Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Didn't turn my microphone on. That's my job. Hey guys, you made it. Woo! I am so glad you guys are here. Welcome to City Church. My name is Drake. It's an honor to be gathering with you today as we continue our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And man, it's been a really helpful conversation. I hope that uh, and if, if you haven't had a chance to catch any of the previous messages, either for myself or Dr. Tamara Powell from CU Denver, you can go back to our YouTube channel and catch those. It's been a really, really helpful series of conversations around mental, spiritual, and emotional health. And so we'd love for you to take advantage of that. Use those resources. Also, man, we've been really fleshing out these conversations in our city groups and just talking about what God's doing and, and how to take these a little further because we talked about last week, it's, it's a lot of hard work to do uh, the work that we're talking about today. And so having a community and having a space to do that is so awesome. So I just want to do a little commercial for city groups, okay, if you're interested and you would like to get connected. Also, Maddie invited you to Growth Track after service. We have, I think, five people signed up to go through it currently, but we always have extra food. And little side note commercial for you guys, it's only 30 minutes after service, okay? So it's my job to keep us under that time limit, and we got it. So if you want to check out Growth Track, no obligations. It doesn't commit you to anything, but it is a great way to look under the hood of City Church and say, okay, is this a community that I want to get plugged into, ask some questions, have some more intentional circular dialogue, okay? So uh, um, last week, I introduced this big idea uh, that I'll throw up on the screen for you here, and it was that our thoughts are constantly moving in the direction, I'm sorry, our lives are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, and I introduced like this idea of cognitive behavioral psychology and how basically you and I, the patterns of our life, the life that we have, they're the results of the thoughts that we think, that what comes into our mind is often what's coming out into our life. And even if you and I are not conscious of this, this is the, the reality of what you and I are living in, that if you and I, for example, carry a negative mindset, it's almost impossible for us to have a positive life. Are you with me? That makes sense? And, and so the, the, the conversation we're having is not just around faith and it's not just around behavioral psychology, but it's the combination of both, that you and I literally are building neurological pathways in our brain. And the big idea last week was that the more that you think a thought, the easier it is to think of that thought again, which is really hard to say all at one time, by the way. And the idea is that you and I wear paths, if you will, patterns of thinking, and unfortunately, sometimes we get in negative patterns of thinking that lead us to believe lies or, lies or half-truths, and it gets us stuck in this, man, just war in our mind. And he, here's what I, I've been wrestling with this week, and today, this is where we're going. Is it ironic to you, or is it frustrating to you that, that you can have, like, a pretty good life, right? If you just like, kind of step back and take the scope of your life, you look around, you can have a pretty good life, but then consistently... If you're like me, you can get stuck focusing on the bad stuff. You, you ever been there where you like still get stuck on, on the bad stuff? Even though if you took a step back, there's a lot to be grateful for. I'll give you a, an example. Um, two weeks ago, I took my family to Moab. Here's a picture 
of us um, hanging out in Moab, and uh, you can't see it, but way down here, and that's us, <laughs> that little speck down there. We're hanging out in Moab. We had a great time. It was just like a quick getaway. Me and the boys are hanging out in one of the arches. Danielle's way back there taking pictures somewhere, one of those specks, and, and we had a, a really good time, but, but uh, um, this is like one frame of that scenario, right? But the reality is we, we left on a Friday. Uh, we got out there. We, we went to a place we hadn't been before. Um, the trip took a lot longer than I anticipated. Like, we were in the car a lot longer. So I'm already a little irritated that, like, we lost some hours just, just in the drive, right? Like, how, when I thought I was going to get there, my expectations weren't met. We get there. Also, we get there, and there was just, like, some opportunities. Like, we didn't bring the kids swim stuff, and we were at a really cool place where they could have been swimming. And, like, so we weren't completely prepared with everything that we needed. And I kind of got there, and because the ride was so long, going through 70, I was, like, a little car sick, had a little bit of a headache, right? So, you know, all these things are compounding, and we get there, and we're unsure. We don't have everything we need. And so I'm not, like, in the best headspace. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're in Moab, and I'm grateful to be there, but, but if we're being totally honest, I'm in, I'm in a little bit of a bad mood, okay? Luckily, my wife is, is way better than I am at life in general, and so she's in a great mood. The kids are running around in their underwear because we don't have swim trunks, playing in the water, playing in the sand, and I've got a headache, and I'm just doing my best not to be that guy. You know what I'm talking about? The, the guy that's raining on everybody's parade. Um, and, and what I had to do, here's what happened, is I was aware. I was aware that I wasn't in a good spot, but I was having a really hard time getting out of it. You ever been there? Right? Where you just kind of stuck in that? And so then I went to Danielle, and I said, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not okay right now. I'm frustrated, and I'm trying to get over it, right? So I apologized to her for my attitude and for my kind of just whatever Eeyore mopiness that I got going on. Um, and so then we, we go to bed. We, again, we got there later, so we didn't have a ton of time that day. Woke up the next morning, and what I did is, is I had the opportunity to ask God to help me reframe that moment. Nothing changed between Friday night and Saturday morning, but we got up and we took advantage of that space. And so we spent hours all day chasing lizards, which was a big deal for my kids. We chased a ton of lizards. We caught a bunch of them. They cried when we had to let them go. We went to the arches. We just spent all day doing tons of fun stuff. And my attitude and my disposition was incredibly different on Saturday than it was on Friday. Go ahead and throw up that other picture for me. Here's why. You guys have that uh, picture of the the clouds? Yeah. All right. So, so think about the conversations that we're having. What happened? On Friday night, I had framed up my scenario in this manner. Does this make sense to you? Right? It, I, I had picked a frame of reference that was dictating how I felt about what was going on. And what I asked God to do on, on Saturday was to help me reframe it. Yeah. Does that make sense? So here, here's, what, here's the reality. The facts didn't change. No, nothing changed about our reality. We were still late. We still didn't have all the stuff that we needed. All I did was take it from here to here. You guys with me? Today we're going to talk about reframing our mind. Last week I gave you this picture of cognitive behavioral psychology. That again, the more often you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought the next time. And I gave you this verse here in Romans 12, which was... Paul encouraging us to rewire our brains, that we wouldn't conform to the pattern of this world or think like the world thinks, but rather we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So not, not being transformed and seeing change in our lives because we try harder, because we grit our teeth, because we work harder, because we feel bad enough, but literally being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So last week we talked about our thought life. The benefit is that we're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So today I want to introduce to you this concept of a cognitive bias. Same principle out of cognitive, cognitive behavioral psychology. But today I want to talk to you about a cognitive bias. And here's a definition for you. A cognitive bias is a mistake 
in reasoning based on a personal experience or, or, or preferences. Okay, it's a mistake. This is a cognitive. I want you to think about like a mental filter, a, a mental frame. You guys with me on this? You and I have a way of seeing things. You and I have a way of seeing the world. We have a way of interpreting things. And true or false, sometimes you and I can approach situations with, with the wrong mindset and the wrong perspective, yeah? Right? And this is what happens to us. So we're talking about a cognitive bias. So example, um, when I was growing up, we would go see my great-grandmother. And she lived through the Great Depression. Right? If you have relatives that lived through the Great Depression, um, there, there's some residual. Again, a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences, Okay? So we go to my grandmother's house. She lived by herself. Husband had passed away. Big house. And she would hoard and stack and stockpile. And she'd have pantries just full of food. And, and some, it was expired. And, you know, cans were exploding. And newspapers everywhere. And I, I remember, right, my parents explaining to me, right, why, why it was so messy. It was, it was, as a little kid, all I knew, right? Like, man, why is there stuff everywhere? And my dad would explain to me, it's because your grandma lived through the Great Depression. And there was a season where they had nothing. Right? And, and so then, then there, there was this pers- per- perspective that, that was created out of that, that you had to hold on to everything you could because you never know. Right? The reality was that, that her life got to a place to where she was taken care of. She had more than she needed. But there was a cognitive bias, a filter on her mind that made her still move to the direction of just in case, right, I've got to hoard, I've got to have more than enough because of what they lived through. Or, for example, there's other things like, like let's just say, and this is, by the way, as we go through this conversation, this is never meant to diminish your experiences, okay? Um, this is not a conversation about, like, you know, unicorns and butterflies, only frame it in the positive, ignore the net, right? This is not that at all. This is simply about choosing what you see and choosing what you focus on. So, for example, uh, um, maybe you or someone you know grew up around uh, in, in, a, in an abusive home or around abusive men, and, and because of that, that terrible experience and that terrible exposure, there's this cognitive bias that is formed that all men are abusive. You guys, you guys understand what I'm talking about, right? Is it true that all men are abusive, right? We know that. Isn't this, so it's interesting to us, right? We can say something out loud and know it's true, but our cognitive bias, our filter, tells us different. Or, for example, let's say you grew up in a family where your parents constantly, like, like, were really hard on wealthy people. Like, let's just, like, it was constantly, like, wealthy people are bad people. And, and wealthy people are, you know, they're, they're whatever. There's just a negative connotation toward anybody with any su- substantial wealth. And so let's say you're moving into a season in your life where you're all of a sudden starting to have more than enough. You're becoming, you know, whatever category of wealth is for you. But all of a sudden you start to feel guilty, personally, for being wealthy because of the cognitive bias that was formed when you were a child. Does this make sense to you guys? Right? This is how these things form. It, it could be as simple as you had a negative experience with a church. Man, tons of people that I talked to. And listen, I don't know where you're coming in on your spiritual journey. I don't know, you know how you got here. If you, you know, walked away from church, stayed away from church, or on the outside looking in, been in it for a minute. But, but the reality is some of us, we have negative experiences with church. And then the, the bias that's formed, especially if, if, it was, if it happened when we were young, is that we are then uh, pre-wired to think, you know what, all organized religion is bad, right? It's, just, I'm just gonna, it's all bad. I'm not, I'm not even going to get close to it because my filter, my cognitive bias tells me something different. So let, let me give you another scenario. Can you, uh, you guys have the next slide? I think it's the, that picture again, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so again, if we're talking about framing things up, think about a scenario where two different people see the same thing. This is how our cognitive biases work. Let's say you sit down with your boss, 
and you get some, some feedback from your boss, right? And it's some constructive criticism and stuff, and two different people have the exact same feedback from their boss, and one person receives it in this way. Wow, thank you so much. I can be a much better person. I can do my job so much better because of that. You know, it's a little hard, but because of that feedback, I'm grateful. Thank you so much. You can give that exact, I mean, nothing different to a T. It can be the exact same delivery of information to a different coworker, and how can they respond? I can't believe you. I work so hard. I can't believe you would say those things. I don't want to work here anymore. This, this place is toxic, right? It could be the exact same scenario. Why? Because it's all about how you frame it. Here's what I need you to understand. It's not the facts that are different. It's just the filter. That makes sense to you? It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter. You can come to church for the first time in your life, maybe, and one person can say, holy cow, that was amazing. It was like God met with us, and like, man, there was things going on that I can't even describe, and it was amazing. And the other person can have the exact same service, exact same church, exact same experience, sitting on the opposite side of the room and say, man, all I could focus on was how the lights kept flickering, and the guy talked too fast, and whatever. You know, you like make up all these things that you're going to complain about. Exact same experience. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter. Have you ever had someone send you a text message and you read it one way and someone else reads it another way? Like, story of my life, right? That's not, that's not, and what's really funny is when you have two people read a, a message that's not personal, like just in their own perspective and it's different, right? It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter, right? This is true of your news and media consumption all the time, right? It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter. So let me introduce you to a guy named Paul. Paul, um, we, we introduced him last week. He is one of the most influential uh, persons in, uh, maybe outside of Jesus in the early church. He was a, a Christian killer. He was sh- shutting down the church, doing everything he could to stop the Jesus movement, meets Jesus, becomes a Jesus follower, falls in love with Jesus and his church, and becomes one of the most forefront church-planting missional agents in the world. He writes over a, a third of what we currently have as our New Testament. An amazing guy. And Paul, one of his dreams was to go to the city of Rome. Now, you know, you and I don't, don't necessarily have the contextual understanding all the time when we read into things, but you need to understand, like, Rome was, like, the center of everything in life, right? If you could get to Rome, you could get everywhere in the known world, okay? So Paul's idea was, if I can get the message of Jesus to Rome, I can get the message of Jesus to the entire world. And Paul, I man, he's just, he loves Jesus. He wants everyone to know the love of Jesus. And so he's crazy about doing everything it takes to let the world know about the incredible love of God. And so his, his dream is to get to Rome and use that as leverage and influence to change the world. And then one day he gets to Rome. The problem is everything he dreamed of is completely backwards. Everything he wanted, he got the exact opposite. Instead of going to Rome and sharing the message of freedom with that entire city and seeing it expand to the world, he goes to Rome as a prisoner. Instead of going to Rome to share life with others, he goes to Rome with the potential of losing his life. He goes to Rome as a prisoner for his faith, and he has no idea if he's going to make it out of this thing alive. Everything that he hoped, everything that he dreamed, everything that he wanted was the exact opposite of what he was planning on. Listen, some of you, right now, your life, your circumstances are doing that exact same thing. Everything that you thought you wanted, everything that you planned out, everything in front of you, like you had this idea and you're experiencing the exact 
opposite of what you wanted. And the question is, what are we going to do with that? Let me show you what Paul could have said and done in reaction to what was going on. This is Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Now, this is the NWV version, okay? There's different versions of the Bible. This is the NWV. It stands for the New Winers Version, okay? That, it's a joke. This is not a real version, in case you're wondering, okay? This is what Paul could have said as he writes to his friends as he's going to jail. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me really sucks, As a result of the hell that I've been through, I'm quitting my city group, and I'm never going back to church. Right? That could have been Paul's response. He could have looked at his circumstances. He could have framed it up in a way that says, man, this is not at all what I wanted, and I'm out. Right? That could have been his his, his approach. But I want you to see how Paul reframes his situation. Remember, it's not the facts that are different. It's his frame. Look at this, Philippians chapter 1. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, the good news of Jesus. God is actually using my chains for good. As a result, it has become clear throughout the entire palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Jesus. Okay, now listen, the facts aren't different. It's just the frame. It does suck. There's a lot of things that are not ideal here. But what does Paul see? He looks at a different frame and he chooses a different perspective. And he realizes that every eight hours he is chained to a new guard. And so rather than being miserable and sad, Eeyore, stuck in in just, you know, God is is not there and doesn't care. He looks at it as a reality that God is actually using his circumstances. Even though they're not ideal, even though they weren't a part of his plan, he's like, every eight hours, I get a new hostage. Right? Every eight hours, Paul says, I get someone new chained to me. Who's the real prisoner? That's what Paul's saying, right? They got to listen to me for eight hours talk about Jesus. Sucks to be them, right? Like He's like, man, this is awesome that God has put me in a place to influence and share the love of Jesus in and through the palace guard. Now watch, he doesn't stop there. Look what he says. And because of my chains, this is amazing. He recognizes, he just reframes it. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim that good news without fear. He says, God's actually using my trouble to give other people more boldness. You guys see this? All he's doing, same facts, different frame. It's not the facts that are different, it's the frame. So today I want to talk to you about reframing your story, reframing your mind, reframing your relationships. All right, so here's the reality, right? We all have stuff going on, right? Right? You all got stuff. We all have financial stuff we're dealing with. We all have behavioral stuff we're dealing with. We all have fighting with your spouse stuff and being single stuff and fear stuff and doctor report stuff and news media stuff and the world is falling apart stuff and bad news in our family stuff and a bad doctor reports, right? We all have stuff, don't we? But, but honestly, most of life is probably pretty good, right? I mean, honestly, right? If you really framed up your life, really, most of it is pretty good. This is not meant to diminish, by the way, if you're going through something hard, okay? Most. The problem is you and I get so stuck on the stuff, don't we? Isn't that, isn't it frustrating? Anybody else frustrated with that? I hate that. I hate it when I get stuck there. So today, I want to give you two tools to help you reframe your minds. Two tools to help you and I reframe our minds. And, and this is called 
cognitive reframing, okay? So, so same conversation, cognitive bias, cognitive mental filters, and all those things. This is called cognitive reframing. And the first thing I want to encourage you to do, again, this is what Paul did, okay? So we're just learning from Paul, is I want you to practice reframing your circumstances. Reframe, I'm sorry, preframing. <laughs> you can't read. Uh, practice, this is a spotlight on the TV. Practice preframing our circumstances. So, so this is deciding how I'm going to interpret a situation before I get there. Does this make sense? Right? So, so this is like this. I can show up at work and I can go to that meeting and here's how I can come in. This meeting's going to suck and I hate all those people and I don't want to be there and they're never productive and they always go over time. Guess how your meeting is going to go if you come in like that? This is, listen, this is nothing we're shocked by. The problem is you and I let our circumstances so dictate our filter that we don't choose to preframe anything. We walk in just flat-footed and we miss God's incredible opportunity. So I could show up and say, you know what? We have an incredible team. We have some hard stuff to work through, but I'm going to bring my best to this meeting. You know what? We're going to problem solve. We're going to do some amazing things, and we're going to bring some incredible things out of this meeting. You think it's going to be different? Absolutely. You know what? Every week I can show up, and, I, and, I, and we, have, we have people that volunteer every week to make this experience possible, and I can get here early on the pre-service team, and I can be cleaning toilets. I can't believe I had to get up early this morning. I hate cleaning toilets. I, the kids keep putting their fingerprints all over the door and all the things, you know, and I just cleaned that door, and they did it again, and that kid's licking all over it. Right? You can do that. You can say, man, what a privilege it is that God has chosen me to be a part of this team. What an honor it is to preset an environment so it's safe and clean and inviting for our guests and our friends as we gather together, right? How do you think it's going to change? How you and I, this is called pre-framing. You can show up and you say, man, I hate my job. And it's not life-giving, and it's not fun, and it's barely paying the bills, but I just do not want to be, you can, you can show up like that, or you can pre-frame it. So, man, thank God I have a job, and I can pay my bills. And there's some people there that I get to love on every day. And even if they don't like me, I'm going to choose to like them. <laughs> right? We have all these different opportunities. So let me give you an example of something that I reframed just, just to help you out, okay? Uh, um, so growing up uh, in, in like middle school and high school, I played football. Um, and I was clearly the best person on the team. Right now. Um, I was definitely shorter than I am today, which is not saying much. So uh, um, the problem was everybody was growing through middle school and high school, and I didn't. <laughs> And I remember, you know, being on, like, B team, and you're like, you know, you're okay with that. You're like, just cool. I'm, I'm not, not the worst, even though there's not a C team. I'm not the worst. <laughs> and I'm on B team, and we're doing thing, and I'm short, and I can barely see all the pads. You know, there's nothing that actually fits me, so I'm already, like, you know, drowning in pads. And I can remember being at, the, at my coach's side over and over again. Coach, let me play. Coach, let me play. Coach, let me play. Like, just constantly, right? Let me play. Put me in. Put me in. Put me in. And he put me in. And I kid you not, every time he put me in, I just like failed miserably. Like one time, I can remember, this is so embarrassing. I can remember being in the team huddle and, and, and the quarterback calls the play and everybody's nodding their head and I have no idea what we're talking about, right? Whatever the play was, I forgot it and we get out there and I'm, I'm a wide receiver, right? Because I'm too, too small to do anything else so I can just run and catch a ball. And so we take off, I run my line and because I didn't know what the play was, I'm just cruising, right? Sometimes you're just the decoy. So I think I'm the decoy. I'm running, I'm as hard as I can and about, you know, 15 yards in, guess what? A football hits me in the back of the head. You talk, yeah, thanks, thanks, Teresa. Wow, she just like laughed out loud, guys. That was rude. All right, so in that, it, was a, it was a scarring moment, right? Not only did I miss the play, but like, like I missed the catch. And I mean, come on, man, it bounces off your head. That's embarrassing. And, and I learned pretty quick that I wasn't very good at football. And it started to frame up. Here's what I learned, um, is that there's some things that I'm not going to be very good at. Um, 
And to be honest, it started to frame it up in a negative way. Like, like it started to associate, okay, you're small, and so you're not going to be good enough, and you're insignificant, and you're not, you know, there, there's all these things that came along with this frame in my mind. And then later, my parents started to reframe something for me that I hadn't seen before, because it, it carried some, some really significant uh, self-esteem issues after that, when I realized that I, I couldn't be what I wanted to be. And my parents would, would, would reframe some stuff for me, and, and I don't think they did this on purpose, but they would say things like, you know, you might not have been the best on the field, but your persistence got you on the field more than anybody else. And I was like, huh. And, and they, right, they were watching from the stands, so they could always see me. Hey, coach, hey, coach, hey, coach, hey, coach. Let me in, let me in, let me in. Right? And so then later in life, I realized, you know what? I don't have to be, here's what God showed me. I don't have to be the best at something because God's given me the gift of persistence. I can show up and give my best, and God can use that no matter what circumstance I'm in. And you know what? God took that frame that was defeating for me, and then when he called us to Boulder, Colorado, there was a lot of, yeah, rights. There was a lot of, there's no way you can plant a church in Boulder. There's no way that a 26-year-old can go anywhere and make a difference. There's no way that a Texas kid could ever go to Boulder and make a difference and survive. And there was all these negative thoughts of, you can't, you can't, you can't, you don't have what it takes. But then God reminded me, you know what? It's not about what, what you can or can't do. By giving you the gift of persistence to keep showing up, give your best, and God's going to work through it, right? It's, it's about pre-framing a circumstance. We didn't show up in Boulder with flat feet, but expectant that God would use it. So what is it for you? What, what is it? So, so listen, here's what happens, guys. Some of you are, are, are showing up, and you're pre-framing your failure before you ever get there, where you walk in defeated. And God's man, saying, listen, there's something better for you. There's lies that, that you don't have to believe. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to look for God's goodness. We're going to look for God's goodness. Listen to me. You will always find what you're looking for. Daniel, come on up, man. You're always going to find what you're looking for. So listen, if, if you want to see what's wrong, you're going to find it. If you want to complain about something at work, you're going to find it. You want to complain about something at home, you're going to find it. You want to complain about your relationships, you're going to find it. If you want to look at what's bad, you're going to find it. If you want to look at what's not working, you're going to find it. You're always going to find what you're looking for. If you want to not like people, you're going to have plenty of reasons not to like people. But if you want to live by faith, if you, if you want to see God's activity in and around you and through you, you can find it. You can find it. Because it's all about, can you guys throw that up for me? How we frame it. Oh, thank you. Let's do this. Check this out. You can be... A vulture or a hummingbird? What does a vulture do? Finds dead things. Always looking for dead stuff. What does a hummingbird do? Always finds sweet things, right? You'll find what you're looking for. Let's look for God's goodness. This is cognitive reframing. Here's what a therapist will do. A therapist will sit with you, and the idea behind cognitive reframing is that we're going to empower you to decide the meaning of, of, of an event rather than letting those circumstances dictate how you respond. We're going to let you decide what that event meant. Does this make sense to you? This is about cognitive reframing. I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. I think that's great. Put that power in your hands. But what if we invited Jesus to help us decide? What if we invited Jesus to help frame up what we're going through? 
Guys, this isn't the big and small stuff, isn't it? This is in that crushing weight of life falling apart, and this is the annoying eight-hour car ride to my life, isn't it? You see, if we're going to frame up this last year, you can look at COVID and you can say, it was the worst year of our, my entire life. And you know what? Some of that's true. It was a terrible year, wasn't it? Do you know what I found when I started to ask the question? I started to reframe it. You know, COVID, was, it was. It was awful. In every sense of the word, political, racial issues, lives being lost. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. But you know what happens? When I, when I go back through my, my camera roll, when I go back and look at 2020, I don't see much of that in my camera roll. So my question is, was it really the worst year ever? Don't get me wrong. Right? There's losses and there's hard stuff, and absolutely we need to deal with that. But what if we reframe it? Because let me show you this, Romans 8, 20, 28. Daniel gave it to us earlier. If you and I can take truths like this and reframe our minds, that we know that God causes everything to work together for good. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Can he really work everything for good? Will you guys go back to that picture for me? Everything for good, even the bad stuff. God is working together for good. Here's what I want to invite you into today. We're not interpreting the goodness of God through our circumstances. This is where we get stuck. We look at our life, we look at what's happened to us, what's happening in front of us, and we interpret the goodness of God based on our circumstances. That's not, that's not the invitation. We're going to interpret our circumstances in light of the goodness of God. This makes sense to you? You can't control what happens to you, friends but you can control how you frame it. That's the invitation today. And so when Paul invites us to transform our mind, to make new neurological pathways, what we're doing is we're sitting in this opportunity of choosing to frame up something differently. And some of you, maybe you're sitting in this room today. You say, Drake, listen, I, I hear you, but, but I don't see God working in any area of my life. I don't see any good in any area of my life. Can I just propose something? That maybe the reason you don't see God's goodness and activity in your life is because you don't have a personal relationship with God that connects you to him at a level that allows you to see those things and experience those things. Is, is it possible that the reason that you don't see it is because you, you're disconnected? And that's the incredible news that Paul went to Rome in chains for to tell the world that Jesus came to make us new, to forgive us of sin, to make us right with God, not, not behavior modification, not change your words and change your, your attitudes, but to change something deep inside of us, to make us go from dead to alive spiritually and, and in relationship with God. He starts to change everything. So what is it that God wants to reframe for you today? Guys, for me, God's been reframing a lot. A lot, a lot. And I'm realizing that every day I have the opportunity, the privilege to say, God, help me frame it up in a different light. It's because it's not the facts that are different. It's the frame.
Can I pray for you? You bow your heads with me and just take this moment of silence and kind of sit there, eyes closed. This is not like it's meant to be a super weird spiritual moment. This is just a moment for you to sit in this space with your eyes closed and reflect on maybe what God's been putting on your heart and mind today. Maybe as you're sitting there and there's been some things coming your way that just were not like you planned. They weren't what you wanted and they've been frustrating and it's made you insecure and confused and you're lacking clarity and direction. And maybe in this moment, God is inviting you to reframe that situation, to look for the goodness of God in that moment. Maybe for you, you've just been stuck in this mental sludge of stuff. And every, every time you show up, you're showing up in a negative headspace, and you don't want to be there, but you don't know how to get out of it. Maybe it's time to ask God to help you pre-frame some situations to fill my mind with truth, to see that transform what I look at and what I see, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Maybe you're sitting in here today and as you're sitting in, in this conversation, you're realizing maybe that, that God is not absent and he's not distant, but rather you just don't have a relationship with him. Maybe for the first time you're coming to understand that not only does God love you, but he sent Jesus to take your place, to die in your sin, to rise again, to overcome sin, death, and the devil and give you new life. And he wants to work all things together for good. And it's not something that you perform for. It's not something that you fight for. It's not something that you behave for. It's simply a gift you receive by trusting in Jesus. No matter where you are, would you take a moment right now, flip your hands up on your, on your lap, just as a, as a sign of surrender, and say, God, help me. Help me to reframe it. Help me to see what you see. God, I pray for my friends in the room that as we walk through this week that we would have some moments to evaluate our cognitive biases, to, to realize that there's some things going on in our minds that don't necessarily reflect the truth. It affects how we look at you. It affects how we look at our relationships. It affects how we look at our circumstances. God, would you help us to get our eyes off of the bad and look for the good? Could we see your goodness? Could we preframe our circumstances? And could we interpret our circumstances in light of your goodness and not the other way around? God, I recognize that as we're sitting in this room, not only are you inviting us to reframe our minds, but you have every intention of working in and through this room and this church and us as individuals where we live, work, and play to offer a new frame of reference for our friends that are not connected to you or not connected to community. God, that we have the opportunity to go love and serve and give in multiple circumstances. And we have the opportunity to help people reframe what's going on through the lens of your love. God, would you fill our hearts and minds with purpose and opportunity we give you this day. It's in Jesus' name.